Hello, I'm Peter Mogazel, Director of the Cystic Fibrosis Center at Johns Hopkins and a Program Director for E-Cystic Fibrosis Review. I'd like to thank Dr. Nick for the excellent special edition issue he authored on non-tuberculous mycobacterium and for this opportunity to ask him a few more in-depth questions on the topic. So, Jerry, there's a heightened awareness of NTM infection in people with cystic fibrosis. What do you think is driving that? And what's known about the risk factors about acquiring NTM from the environment? Well, thanks, Peter, for having me and for inviting me to be involved in this CME. And I think you're definitely right. We are hearing more and more about the risk of non-tuberculous mycobacteria within the CF population. I think this is clearly multifactorial. First of all, NTM acquisition, in particular MAC, is linked to the age of our patients, and our patients are living longer and longer lifespans. So as the CF patient population gets older, we can expect greater incidence of mycobacteria. Second of all, we've learned a lot about the techniques that are needed to culture mycobacteria in CF. So it took a while to develop the technical methods in order to detect mycobacteria in the CS sputum. And then I think certainly there's a lot more physician awareness now. Physicians are more likely to order cultures for non-tuberculous mycobacteria than they were in the past. And we have new guidelines that are asking clinicians to at least have annual cultures on patients for screening. And then there's certainly the idea that NTM is more common in the modern environment than previous, that things such as climate change and severe storms and increased humidity, evaporation, things of that nature are perhaps increasing mycobacteria prevalence for all groups of patients with chronic lung disease, and that is especially including CF. So there's a lot of different theories, but within our patients, there's a lot of concern about environmental risks. And and they're very, very concerned about what may predispose them to mycobacteria infection at home, at work, during recreational activities, and things of that nature. And so a couple of the reports that we included in the CME activity was looking at what's known about environmental risks. And the one in particular from Central Florida, I think, is our clearest indication to date of the high risk associated with living near open water for people with CF, especially in warmer climates. And this is building on literature where we knew that high rates of evaporation from lakes and rivers and things of that nature were associated with a greater risk of NTM. But in this particular study, you could tell a difference if you lived within 500 meters of water versus those that lived further than 500 meters from water. So this is a really clear message, I think, that for patients that are concerned about environmental risks, this is one of our first clearly defined risk factors. In addition to that, there's a lot of literature now associated with NTM, associated with sticking to soil and dust and dirt. And we've long advised people against activities in gardening and things that would predispose them to a lot of dusty, dirty environments. So the combination of dirt and dust and evaporating water right now is the best information we have about risk factors in the environment. So, Jerry, I'm often asked about hot water and showers and shower heads. Is there any evidence to say people should be doing something different with their water systems in their homes? 
Well, there's clearly the ability to identify mycobacteria within water supply systems. And there's been many, many surveys where hot water heaters, drinking fountain, ice machines, things of that nature, nearly all of them, you can recover a degree of mycobacteria from that. It's been much, much more difficult to link specific infections in a showerhead to the specific infection that a CF patient has. So even though the showerhead may have mycobacteria, Bacteria, the patient turns out to have a different mycobacteria. So right now, we do not have specific recommendations to avoid showering or to have testing of water, things of that nature. I can tell you that there are clinicians who advise people in at-risk populations not to shower, to take tub baths and things of that nature. But right now, there's no evidence-based guidance with regard to avoiding specific indoor plumbing situations.